Uh, we're going to kind of skip through 23 and 24 rather quickly, and then we're going to key in on a verse in verse 24. Joshua chapter 23, we'll pick up in verse number one. The Bible says, and it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. So Joshua has neared com the completion of the mission God has given him. He's led the children of Israel, and he's now about to complete his mission. And he wants to give Israel a charge, and he calls all of the elders together and all of the heads of the household together and begins to charge them and he gives them a history of what the Lord did in verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 4 and then he challenges them in verse 6 be therefore courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses that you turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left skip over to verse 14 he tells them and behold this day I am going the way of all the earth that means I'm dying and you know in all your hearts and all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. You ought to underline that in your Bible as a reminder that God always keeps his word. Notice that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord God spake concerning you. Are all are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. So as Joshua prepares to leave the scene, he's challenging the children of Israel to keep the path that the Lord has led them in. And we're going to skip over to chapter 24 real quickly. In verse number 14, in chapter 24, we're going to come up on a very familiar passage as Joshua gives them his last bit of exhortation before he leaves. Verse 14, now therefore fear the Lord. And serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood. And in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Let's stop there and pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I thank you how it has spoken to my heart and challenged my heart. And Father, as we gather together on the last Sunday of this year, I pray that you would challenge us to finish strong, that we might begin strong, that, Father, we might fulfill all of your will, and that, Father, we might see all that you desire to bring to pass in this place in the coming year, that we might see it come to pass. I pray, Father, we would choose for ourselves this day who we will serve, and I pray, Father, that we would all be in unison behind what you desire to do today, and we'll leave here fulfilling your will for our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is a very special time of year as we round the corner and we're staring down a new year. 2020 is about to be here and 2020 is kind of an iconic year uh, because uh, back in the uh, old days, the 70s and the 80s, uh, they always talk about 2020 having the flying cars and all of those things. A lot of things we do have, we don't have the flying cars yet and I'm quite thankful uh, because our populace hasn't quite managed the ones on the asphalt yet and uh, I think put them in the air would only be a, a problem for us but as we look toward the new year, year. Uh, the Christmas holidays are just about past, and the decorations will begin to come down. And as we look toward this new year, you really begin to reflect upon all that we saw and did in the past of this year. 
Uh, obviously, in my life, there was a lot of changes came to our life. When 2019 started, uh, our goal and our focus was continuing to build and to grow at Bayou Baptist Church in Monroe, Louisiana, and never in a million years would I have thought by the end of 2019 that we would no longer be at Bayou Baptist Church, but we look back and we reflect and we see what God did and how God brought us here, and we're excited about what God has planned for the future, but it's amazing what a year may hold. Uh, there are friends of mine who are in heaven today who were healthy this time last year. The Lord chose to take them home. There's been great changes happened in my life. We've had a lot of losses uh, of friends and family members. And then uh, oftentimes in the press, you see them highlighting the, the big news stories of the past year. And they look at elections and they look at votes and they begin to look at celebrities that died and things along that line. But I want you to think about as we reflect on the past we began looking forward to the future, and we began praying about and, and wondering what this upcoming year will be. Now, we're not given a guarantee that there will give, God will give us a 2020. There could very quite possibly be people in this room, me included, who may not even live to see 2020. We're not promised another day. But if God does give us another day, we start looking forward to what that year may hold we start looking about that fresh start. I know that January the 1st, uh, it's not just another day because it's my wife's birthday, so it's not just another day, but I know that January the 1st is just another day in a lot of respects. Uh, it's just a flipping of the calendar, but a new year provides us with a new opportunity, a new era, if you will, a fresh start where we start those resolutions to stay on the diet and be nice and not honk at people that are going slow in the fast lane. I understand that. I deal with that on a personal basis. But I want you to understand if you're not prepared for that new beginning and that fresh start, you're probably going to repeat 2019 and 2020. I don't know about you, but I can look in the back of 2019 and I can see things that are undone. I can see things that need to be done better or with more fervor or more faithfulness or more obedience. And if you don't begin preparing for 2020, you're liable to look back December 27th of 2020, I believe is the last Sunday of 2020, and you'll be looking back on 2020 the same way you're looking back on 2019 because you failed to prepare for all that God had planned. Now, what we see Joshua doing here is God has given Joshua the wisdom to know that his time is about done, and the page is about to be turned, a new era is about to begin. Joshua's time is about to be over, and there's going to be a new opportunity, a new era for Israel, and Joshua's challenging them. He wants them to understand that God has great things ahead of them, but he's showing them how they can be prepared for the great things that God has planned. Now, folks, I believe if God tarries, and by the way, there's no guarantee that he will, there's nothing stopping him from coming back today. The trump of God could sound before we leave this building today, and I hope you're ready. I hope you're looking forward to that day. You're not scared of it. You're looking forward to getting out of this world and going and spending eternity with our Savior. But if the Lord tarries, I believe God has great things planned for our church. But understand those great things that God has planned and prepared, they're not automatic, okay? Remember, we don't believe in fate and destiny, that things are going to happen just because they're supposed to happen. No, the things that happen according to the will of God will be as a result of you and I choosing to be obedient to what thus saith the Lord has for us. The blessings of God, the providence of God, all the preparations of God, we will see them come to fruition, not because of us, but because of the goodness of God, and he honors obedience. 
The key to God's blessings is obedience. And this is what God is telling Israel through Joshua. But it boils down, if you look at verse 15 in chapter 24, there's the word that really sums it all up. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, look at the next word. He says, choose. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Here's what Joshua is telling Israel. God's got great things ahead of you, just like the great things that are behind you. You know, Christians, we have a mindset oftentimes, not just Christians, but people in general, we like to look back on the good old days, you know, and I tell you, I've talked to a lot of people who lived in the good old days, and they tell me they weren't as good as we like to romanticize about them. But we look back oftentimes as the great works that God has done. And Joshua is telling them, yes, God has fulfilled all that he desired to do and all that he said he would do in your past, but God's not done. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad God doesn't run out of blessings and God doesn't run out of providence and God doesn't run out of power? He's prepared so much for the future. He says, but understand this, the key to you receiving What God's prepared lies in your choice. That's what he says in verse 15. You've got to choose whom you're going to serve. And although, listen, we do not know the details of the future, what 2020 may hold, sometimes I wish I knew and sometimes I'm glad I don't know what the the year's going to hold. We don't know the details of what this year may hold, but if God's manufacturing them, they're going to be good. If you look at Genesis, what did he create? The Bible says, and it was good. You're never going to read where, and God created this, and it was so-so. Those are things that I create. Or what is the term we use today in our society? Meh. Meh. God doesn't create meh stuff. It's good, but the only way we receive those things is to choose. And so Joshua is helping Israel choose what the next chapter will hold. Now, here's what I want all of us here today to know that God's prepared much. I don't know all of it holds, and we can't choose the details, but we can choose the direction. And God wants us to know that he's planned and he's prepared, but in order for us to receive them, we've got to choose what the next chapter holds through our obedience. So this morning, we're going to look at that thought, if we could, choosing the next chapter. And Joshua really shows something. This verse 15, I've preached out of verse 15 so many times. And I've never noticed what I'm going to preach this morning. Joshua shows them three choices that will determine the next chapter. And I believe these three choices are choices we must make today. So look back, if you will, to verse 15. We're going to stay in verse 15 most of the day. Not the day, the hour, okay? Some of you got scared. Oh, no. We're going to stay in verse 15 all day long. You know they did that. They used to do that in the Old Testament. They were better for it. The Bible says that if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Now watch what he follows up with. He's fixing to give them their first choice. He says here, whether the gods which your father served, they were on the other side of the flood. Now that term is repeated. He says that in verse number 14, the gods on the other side of the flood. If you look back to verse number 3 of chapter 24, he references that again. I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood. Now it's very easy, and I, I, I did it for years to assume that he's talking about Noah's flood there. But if you do a little study, you'll realize he's not talking about the flood. The word flood there is interpreted every time in Scripture as river. And obviously their fathers did not serve other gods on the other side of the flood because they all drowned who did not serve the true and living God. So what is it talking about in verse number 15? Well, he's talking about the river Euphrates. 
And where Abraham lived in Ur of the Chaldees and how God brought him from that pagan society and God called Abraham out of that and God led Abraham to become the father of the faith and whose ancestors would number as the sand of the seashore. And he says, understand this. You've got to decide which gods you're going to serve. And he says, the first one is the gods of which your father served that were on the other side of the flood. Now, the gods that the people of Ur worshipped, they were a lot of the gods of nature. One of them, her name, this is kind of interesting, her name was Nana. Do we have any Nanas here? Grandmas, don't raise your hand, all right? Nana was the moon goddess, is who she was, Nana. I don't know where we got Nana from, but if you're a Nana, you are a moon god. Write that down if you're a Nana uh, this morning. But Ur of the Chaldees, these people, they worship false gods. And Joshua said, you've got to decide who you're going to serve. And here's what he's doing. These gods that were the gods of the family and the ancestors of Abraham and Ur, here they are many hundred years later reemerging. Joshua says, listen, you've got to decide who you're going to serve. And to choose the next chapter, number one, you're going to have to deal with problems of the past. These gods, listen, from Ur, these were gods from a long time past era. But interestingly enough, they had made a reemergence in the life of Israel. Now, here's what Joshua is doing in verse number 15. He's warning them of a lingering threat. He says there's a threat that's going to come to your future. God's planned and God's prepared and God's got all of these things in line for you. But understand, the one thing that can spoil your future is not dealing with the devotions of your past. These gods seem to be popping up. Now, even though, listen, Israel is far removed from Ur, Ur is still very close to Israel. Now, let this resonate with us just a little bit. You know, as a pastor, you help folks deal with things, and I go to pastors. Look, I seek out counsel. The Bible says, in the multitude of counsel, there's safety, okay? So it's good to seek out counsel. But oftentimes, what keeps us from moving forward and finding that next chapter of what God's prepared is we have unfinished business in the past. And what Joshua's telling them, he says, there's some devotions in the past that you've got to deal with. And if you don't deal with those devotions, they're going to come back and they're going to drag you down. He says, you've got to decide. I've used the term often here. I'm assuming somebody's come up with it before, but you'll hear me use the term stump your toe. You know, you get to going really good. You're moving through the living room. You're moving through the woods. And all of a sudden you stump your toe on something. Here's how that phrase came to be. In the trailer, we lived in a trailer in Monroe, and uh, you know where the carpet meets the tile? There's a transition strip there, right? And they've got these little demented, spiky strips underneath the carpet, uh, and you step on those, and they hurt you very bad. I don't know why they put those there. Maybe so when you get up and you're walking through, you're good and awake, because you step on them, you're definitely good and awake when you do that. And every time, every time my wife would buy me a brand new pair of socks from Disney World, or a brand new pair of socks from somewhere. That's kind of my souvenir is a pair of socks. I would walk through there, and those little bitty spiky things, those demented little devil spikes underneath the carpet, would reach out and grab my new socks and rip a hole in the big toe. I don't know how many socks that I have that have holes in the big toe. Why? Because that little bitty spiky strip there would always snag my foot. I'd just be walking along, minding my business. Next thing you know, boom, it has stumped my toe on that little strip. 
Now, a smart man would have grabbed a sledgehammer the first time that happened and went in there and beat the fire out of it. But I didn't. All right, I'll let you fill in the blanks on that, okay? It'll make you feel good. Finally, after about three or four pairs of socks, I got tired of, you know, Disney World socks aren't cheap. We're talking about 19, 20 bucks a pair, you know? And, and so finally, I got tired of losing socks, and I went in and I beat that thing into the floor. Whoever lives in our trailer now, they owe me a, a debt of gratitude. I have saved many of their socks from getting torn. But finally, listen, I had to get tired of the same old problem reemerging to go and address it. Now, here's what Joshua is saying. Joshua says, there's some gods from your past. Notice what he says. He says, whether the gods which your fathers served, past tense, which were past tense, on the other side of the flood. Look, Israel's greatest threat to their future was not in their future. The greatest threat to Israel's future was in their past. He says those gods from Ur are going to come back and hunt you down, and they're going to drag you down. I don't know about you folks, but so often in my life, things that I deal with, listen close, are things I haven't dealt with. Things that I deal with are things that I've yet to deal with. There are lingering issues from the past, and here we are hundreds of years and hundreds of miles away from Ur, and yet we see a reemergence of these gods coming back. Exodus chapter 16, we will see that Israel has this problem. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 16, after they left the, uh, the waters, the bitter waters of Marah, they began to grumble against Moses. You know what they asked Moses? So they said, Moses, it's better if we'd have died in Egypt. They said, there we would have at least been full. We'd have had something to eat. Now, where was Egypt? Egypt was behind them. What kept hindering Israel from moving forward to the promised land? It was something behind them. They had yet to deal with Egypt. Now, folks, understand this this morning. I'll promise you, no matter how small or insignificant, if we don't deal with the gods, the devotions of our past, they will hunt you down, and they will cost you your future. Now, folks, I hate to tell you, but this stuff right here, this flesh, provides a magnificent hiding place for stowaways. Man, my spirit's all excited. I'm excited about the new year. Man, we got coffee cups. You know you're uptown when you got coffee cups with your logo on them. Man, Brother Jim, we're uptown. Highfalutin now. Man, I'm excited about the new year and all that God has planned and what I believe God's going to do in our church in 2020. But I assure you this, you will find yourself getting drugged back down to the low levels of 2019, and you'll never realize the promises of 2020 if you do not make sure there's not stowaways in this stuff right here. You know what Paul said in Romans chapter 7? He says, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. There's stuff, listen, that's harbored in this stuff. By the way, can I tell you this? If you're going to cross the finish line in 2020, fulfilling the will of God, you're going to have to drag this stuff across the finish line. This stuff is not going to encourage you. If you ask this stuff, should I go to church? It's going to tell you no. If you ask this stuff to read your Bible, it's going to tell you no. If you ask this stuff, should I give out a gospel track in 2020? It's going to tell you no. You are going to have to drag this stuff across the finish line. But in this stuff... In this flesh, this old corrupt nature, there's stowaways that are seeking to hinder you possessing the future that God's prepared. 
If you're not careful, it'll rob you blind of all the promises of God and all that God's prepared. I'll tell you a funny story. I wanted to ask my dad to make sure it was appropriate, but I didn't have time, so here we go. Uh, We'll just talk about that after the service. My dad had a member in his church. His name was Brother Lee. Brother Lee was a faithful man, helped start the church there in Carson, worked on the camp for years. And uh, Brother Lee had had been at Camp Shelby years and years ago, had uh, an an ammunition uh, explosion of some type, and it blew up his his left hand. Was his left hand or his his left hand? I'm talking about it blew his hand up, something fierce, and they tried to reconstruct it, but basically his hand was, ended up being just, he called it his club, okay? I didn't call it that, but he called it that. His fingers were kind of deformed, and they had to skin graft his hand, and so they end up putting it onto his chest, sewing it, correct? Sewing it to his chest, so the skin graft would get blood flow. I didn't even know you could do that. He told us that one day he was walking through the VA, And as he walked through the VA, his hand is grafted right here. And he walked through the offices and got on the elevator. And when he looked down, there was a purse hanging from his club. By the way, he didn't carry a purse. All right? He he was the old school man, you know. He wasn't a new school man. He was one of those old school guys. They didn't carry the purses, you know, the man bags. And so he looked down as he got on the elevator, and there was a purse hanging from his hand. Now, just think about what you would do. He realized he had no feeling in his hand. It was a kind of all, he realized he walked by one of the, the chairs, his hand snagged the lady's purse. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't know what I would do. I think I'd throw it in the garbage and get out of the building. That's what I would do. But he was a good, godly man, and he decided to go back into the VA and find out whose purse that he accidentally stole. You know, can you imagine that story? I, it wasn't me, it was my hand. I promise it wasn't me. It was my hand. My, my hand did it. True story. Look, if you don't believe me, ask my dad or my mom or my wife. They're honest and they will tell you it's the truth. This hand, it just, even though he wasn't, in, he's paying it, walking along, doing his own thing. And his hand reached out and grabbed the lady's purse. He said there was no money in it. So he decided, he was, no, he didn't look in there. He took it back to her. Now, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be like, a lot like Brother Lee in 2020. You're going to be walking along, minding your business, thinking everything's going well, and you don't realize this old flesh right here, it'll grab hold of stuff before you know it. Next thing you know, you're out of church for one service, and two, and three, and you quit reading your Bible. Next thing you know, your family's out of church with you. Why? Because you're not aware of the stowaways that are in your flesh. you got to deal with those. He says in verse 15, there's gods in the past. You better deal with those. You, You can't ignore them. Israel would have a problem throughout their entire life of not dealing with what was behind them. They wouldn't deal with them. They said, we want to go back to Egypt where we're full. Can I tell you, if you, I want to give you just a few things real quickly, and I'm going to hurry. If you don't deal with the desires of the past, they're going to hunt you down. What did Israel want? We want our belly full. We're hungry. This is what I want. If you don't deal with the desires of this stuff, 2020 doesn't stand a chance for you. We see this in the life of Demas. Well, Demas was doing well, wasn't he? Serving right there with Paul, making his way, fulfilling the will of God. Things were going great. And next thing you know, Paul looked up. Where's Demas? Demas is gone. Why? Listen close. Demas hath loved this present world. There was that desire of this stuff to be a part of the world and to go with the world and do what the world desires to do. And finally, that old desire caught up with Demas. 
Now look, you say, well, I was born and raised in this church. I went to Central Baptist School. Doesn't mean anything. David was a man after God's own heart, and his desires finally caught up with him. If you're not careful and you don't deal with the desires that are behind you, you think, well, I'm just going to ignore it and keep moving forward. No, sooner or later, you've got to turn around and face them and deal with them before they deal with you. This is what Joshua is saying. He says, the gods on the other side are still alive and well. Joshua is telling them, you better be careful moving forward without taking care of the business behind you. I'll give you another one real quick. I want you to think about Jonah. Jonah tried moving forward, but it wasn't his desires that were behind him. There was disobedience behind him. God had called Jonah to go and preach. What a privilege to be able to serve God. That's not something you run from. That's something you run to. Oh, what a great privilege it is to be saved and be able to serve God with your life. And yet Jonah decided, you know what, I'm just going to move forward with some disobedience behind me. And lo and behold, that disobedience caught up with him, didn't it? He's down there in the, the ship, and he's down there in the, the belly of the whale, and he's realizing you cannot run from disobedience. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Folks, this morning, if there's something in 2019 undone between you and God, can I encourage you, before we turn the corner into 2020, get rid of it. Deal with it. Because if you don't, it's going to deal with you. Oftentimes, we let our failures Come back to haunt us and rob us of our future. Matthew chapter 5, I'll give you another one before I give you the second point. Matthew chapter 5, the Bible tells us that before we come to serve God, before we bring our gift to the altar, the Bible tells us that if we realize that we have ought, our brother has ought against us, to leave that gift before you give it to God and go be reconciled, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5. So watch close. Joshua says you better deal with your desires. Deal with those desires that are there. You need to deal with disobedience. But maybe this morning, and I'll tell you this is a big one. Maybe this morning somewhere behind you there's some discord between you and somebody else. Look, whatever hurt feelings you may have between you and anybody else, they're not worth sacrificing the God-given future of this church for something you're not willing to let go of. I want to give you a newsflash. You're human. You're flesh. You make mistakes. I'm going to look. I've probably already hurt a lot of people in here's feelings. Unknowingly, if I have, I do apologize. I won't purposely go out to hurt your feelings. But sometimes it just happens, doesn't it? He said, well, so-and-so hurt my feelings. They said it's about me. They forgot me. They missed this. Or so-and-so, we're just on the wrong side of things together. All right, that happens. We're human. By the way, you're going to cross somebody up sooner or later, too. The Bible says go be reconciled. Why does it say before you move forward in your service to God, be reconciled? You say, well, you don't understand. They hurt me. Look, I don't like being hurt either. But can I tell you this this morning? Your feelings and my feelings are not worth sacrificing a God-given future. So you don't understand. You know, look, folks, I'm just going to forget about it and move on. No, look, this is why the Bible says go be reconciled. It didn't say move on and just forget about it. Time may heal all wounds, but listen to me. Sin has a long shelf life. When you hold stuff against other people, listen, how sad would it be this morning for any of us to hold aught against anybody else and compromise the blessings of God for Central Baptist Church all because we have hurt feelings. 
Now, folks, I know that may not be too terribly popular, but why are we going to waste our time going into 2020 when we're not going to have the blessings and power of God in our life because we're holding on to something that somebody else did to us? Be thankful that God doesn't keep a running tab. We, none of us could stand. I'm glad his mercies are new every day. Oh, look, I, I have not had done to me what many have had done to them. And yet I have seen people go through some of the most horrific tragedies, some of the most maligning assaults of their character, and yet they rise up to forgive. Why? Because those things that we don't deal with in the past will definitely rob us of our future. You know, there came a point even in the life of the mariners that Jonah was on their boat. Finally, he says, buddy, you're not worth it. And they threw him overboard. Sooner or later, you're going to have to throw your Jonah overboard or that'll come back to haunt you, I assure you. Psalms 101.3, David says this, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the works of them that turn aside. Here's what he says. He says, they shall not cleave unto me. David says, get off of me, get off of me. David says, I got to get rid of this stuff. If I'm going to move forward, I got to get rid of those things that are going to pull me down. That's where you ought to be invitation time. You ought to come and say, get off of me. I got to get rid of this bitterness, this unforgiveness, this disobedience, whatever it is, I got to get rid of it. The only way I can move forward is to leave some things behind. And I'll tell you, your 2020 is going to turn out just like 2019 with a big goose egg concerning the will of God for your life. If you don't have the courage, by the way, how many times did Joshua use the word courage? If you don't have the courage to deal with the problems of the past. I got to hurry. There was a story of a man who saw this house and he really wanted to buy the house. So he went to the gentleman and he says, look, I, I love your house. I've been looking at it for years. I drove by it. My wife loves it. I want to buy this house. And the guy says, well, I'll sell you the house under one condition. He says, I have this nail and this nail is very important to me. And it's a nail that was drove, driven above the door casing on the outside. He says, would you let me keep that one nail? And the guy says, sure, you're going to sell me the house or you just want to keep that one nail? He says, yeah, I just want to leave it right there. Six months after they moved in, they got to smell this horrific smell and went outside and there was a dead skunk hanging from that nail. They couldn't take the skunk off because the man still owned that one nail. Now, that one nail is just a small part of that house and yet, boy, it began to affect them greatly. The next day they went out there and there were two dead skunks hanging on that nail. The smell began to get bad, and they said, we're just going to hold our nose and pretend it's not there because we love this nice house, and we're not going to let those two dead skunks run, run us off from this house. The next morning they get out there, there's three dead skunks hanging on that nail. And after a while, it got so unbearable, they said, we got to leave the house. Why? Because the house was falling down? No. Why? Because the house had a leaky roof? No. Because there was one insignificant nail driven above the door, and what was hanging on that door was causing them to abandon it all. And I wonder this morning, what are some of the nails in our life that you're holding out? You're not going to give God that nail, and the devil's hanging dead skunks on it, and it's going to cost you the whole house. I'll tell you this. Joshua says, whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood... Hear me out before I give you the second thing. Some things need to stay on the other side of the flood. Let's let 2019 be the river. And let's leave some things on this side of the river. You got ill will towards somebody? How selfish would it be for you to hold on to that and cost Central Baptist Church? Listen, the sin of one man, Achan, cost an entire nation their victory and the power of God. And it cost 30-something men their lives. 
All because Achan wanted to be selfish to the one thing that he wanted to hang on to. Listen to me, it's not worth it. You ought to let it go. You ought to let it go. You ought to go find them after service. Get on the phone, call them. doesn't matter if they're in Bangladesh. Give them a phone call and say, hey, we got to be right because I want the power of God on Central Baptist Church in 2020, so I need to apologize. Tough thing to do, isn't it? Verse 15, quickly. He says that you need to deal with the problems of the past. But quickly, look down. The Bible says here, the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or, he says to give them another choice, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. So notice he's gone from the past to the present. He says, the land in, who, in whose land ye dwell, that is current. You see, Joshua knew that as they move forward, there's going to be a great temptation to adopt the culture of the present world they were living in. Is that what he's telling them? He says, listen, your choices will determine the blessings and power of God. Deal with the problems of the past. Number two, he says, you're going to have to confront the pressures of the present. Confront the pressures of the present. You see, Joshua understood that the world they lived in, there were false gods all around them, and if they did not deal with those pressures, those pressures were going to deal with them. Now, folks, if there's anything we should be able to relate to this morning, it ought to be the pressures of the current world. I've been preaching almost 25 years. June will be 25 years. It hasn't got any easier as far as the pressure. Matter of fact, the pressure's gotten worse. The pressure to conform. The pressure to adopt the culture of this world as we try to raise a child and the nurture and admonition of the Lord by the Word of God. Listen, there's pressures not to do that. As the song says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. If you're raising kids, you know very well what that's about. Peer pressure is not just for kids, is it? There's a pressure from this world to conform to what they believe and what they're devoted to. And I'll tell you, the sad truth this morning is the world is definitely having more influence on us than we are on them. They're pressuring us to conform to, notice, the gods in whose land that we dwell. I assure you this. If you do not confront the pressures of the world that we're living in, they're going to confront you, and they're going to conform you to them. Several years ago, I, you know, I'm one of those guys, I love figuring out how things are made. I have tore up some really good stuff in my life trying to figure out how it was made and can't get it back as good as the guys who put it together the first time. One of the things I always wondered about was how they get Coke bottles, those plastic Coke bottles, just so uniform every time. Maybe my brother-in-law had told me how they were. They take these plastic blanks, just a plastic ball and they, or a rod or some kind, and they put it in this machine, and they apply a lot of pressure and a lot of heat. And they apply pressure, and they apply heat, and it blows that plastic Coke bottle into a mold, and it conforms to the shape of that mold through pressure and through heat. Do you know what the world desires to do with you, your family, your children, and this church? To keep applying pressure and applying pressure and applying pressure and to keep putting the heat on you till eventually your life and your home and this church no longer resembles the image of God but represents the world in whose land that we dwell. The devil is very good at using pressure. Sadly, so much of what we do and who we are reflects that we've been influenced by the pressure of the world that we live in. Now notice what the Bible says. You've got to choose whether you're going to serve the gods in the past or the gods of the present in whose land you dwell. Before you go doing like I want to do, say, well, the world's not going to pressure me into doing anything, be careful. 
It shows up in how we speak, what we wear and where we go and how we act. It shows up. You can tell the world has had influence on us. I read a story about a guy who was a human cannonball. And man, you just missed out on that great entertainment from the bygone era, don't you? We watch it on TV. Man, a, a guy being fired out of a cannon, uh, he's either nuts or the bravest man in the world. He's, he's probably just nuts. They asked this guy one time, he says, how do you, he, he, he had done over 1,200 1,200 cannon blasts. And they asked him, hey, how do you keep doing that? Aren't you scared? He says, to death. You climb down there, boom, you fly through the air and you flip. People have died. How do you keep doing that? Here's what he said. Have you ever been on the receiving end of the applause of 60,000 people? What made him climb down in that cannon and get blasted out? It was that applause, that pressure. It's peer pressure. We like being accepted. We like being lauded. We like being uplifted. And I'll tell you, you'll do some stupid stuff because of peer pressure. Joshua says, be careful. He says, you better confront the pressure of the present world. I'll give you a quick example before we move on. You see this, I think, probably clearly illustrated as anywhere in the Bible in the life of Peter. When Peter was with Christ and the other disciples, they came to kidnap or to, to take away Christ. And Peter stands up and pulls out a sword. Boy, he's bold in defending God. But wait a minute. When he gets around this other company of people, he denied him three times. What was the difference? The pressure changed. There was a positive peer pressure, and now there's a pressure to deny God. I saw something interesting last night. I was reading my Bible, sitting on the couch after watching a very impressive ball game and was sitting on the couch and um, reading in Ecclesiastes. And old Solomon, look, he's got some great stuff in there if you'll just read it from time to time that, believe it or not, is very applicable to the world we live in today. And Solomon uses a phrase 27 times. You'll only find this phrase in the book of Ecclesiastes. Here's the phrase, under the sun. Under the sun. Mentioned 27 times and only in the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm going to read a couple for you real quickly, okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 3, the Bible says, What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? Here's Here's what he says. Listen close. What profit is there in the labor under the sun? Keep reading. Verse 14, he goes on to say this. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. He's talking about the focus. Chapter 2, verse 11, he says this, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Interesting, there it is again. Verse 18, he says this, Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. I said, what are you trying to get at there? Well, here's what's interesting. Solomon says, all that's under the sun... All that's under the sun. He said, there's no profit down here. Notice, under the sun. He's talking about perspective, this life. Now look, the world's desire is to conform you to loving and investing in this life. And Solomon says, warning, warning, red light. There's nothing profitable under the sun. You've got to set your affections above the sun, on things above. This is what he's saying. But the, listen, the trend in our world is to get so wrapped up in things under the sun. I'll tell you, it breaks my heart to see some of our kids getting involved in things that are dead ends. Dead ends. 
We push our kids to do this. Look, nothing wrong with being smart. Nothing wrong with being athletic. I love athletics. I mean, good night. I got the socks today. I got the tie. I even got the nice tiger cufflinks. Look, there's nothing wrong with that. But understand, athletics die here. This is it. And we put all of our eggs in one basket in this life, and it's over. And our kids stand before God. And by the way, Mom and Dad, you'll not be standing there with them. And you pushed and pushed and pushed and they invest all of their life in this vapor that appears and vanishes and you watch our kids. They'll stand before God and have nothing. All because we taught them to value what's under the sun rather than what's above the sun. Our affections won't Look, I'm saying this because I love you. I want your kid to have something to lay at the feet of Christ. But here's the problem. The preacher tries to get them to cock their head up and mom and dad get them to cock their head down. The preacher says, set your affection on things above. Sunday school teacher on things above. And mom and dad, we get home and we put our head down. No focus on this. Why? Because the pressure of the world that we live in. We're conforming to it. Rather than try to win the world, we want to be like the world. James 4, the Bible says this is a vapor. I don't know about you, but I, I've never invested in anything as far as I know. Walmart, Hobby Lobby, my wife does that. Try it once a week. You know, keep them in business. But if I'm going to invest in something, I want to invest in something that's going to be here. The Bible says this life is a vapor. Why aren't we investing in a vapor? We could be investing in something that has eternal merit and value. So notice number two, Joshua says you better confront the pressure of the present. Now I'm going to give you this and we're going to be done. Can I tell you who's going to win? Let me tell you, this is really simple. If there's more pressure on the outside than on the inside, the outside pressure wins. You know why so many of our young people are imploding? It's because we didn't put enough on the inside to combat the pressure on the outside. By the way, the devil's not scared of a baseball bat. The devil's not scared of a high ACT score. Nothing wrong with none of that, all right? But understand this. When we keep putting stuff inside of our kids that cannot push back, this is why the Bible says resist the devil. You push back. you got to push back because if the pressure inside of you is not greater than the pressure outside of you, you're going to cave in. That's why our churches are caving in. The pressure out there is greater than the pressure in here. We've got to make sure we put something on the inside that can push back a little bit. And Joshua is saying, be prepared to confront the pressure of the world around you. Number three, quickly. He goes on to say, he says, choose you to say whom you'll serve with the gods which your father served past tense. Deal with the problems of the past. Whatever it is, deal with it. And then he says here, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, you better be prepared to confront the present or you're going to cave in. But notice the last part. But as for me and my house, we what? Will serve the Lord. He says here, will, that's future speaking. He says deal with the problems of the past, confront the pressures of the present. And then number three, he says if you're going to choose the next chapter, you're going to have to determine a plan for the future. Determine a plan for the future. It's interesting that Joshua uses these words, choose you this day, watch, this day, but then he talks about the future. Can I tell you something this morning before we get to the invitation? We're almost there. The decisions you make on this day will directly affect your future. The reason maybe you're at the end of 2019 and 2019, you don't have a whole lot there for the cause of Christ is because probably back January of 2019, you did not choose on that day and that's why your future is empty. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's a friend of my dad, you use this phrase all the time, you fail to plan, you plan to fail. 
You see, you've got to make plans on serving God, being right with God. You've got to make plans, listen, on staying in the will of God, staying faithful and staying obedient. If you don't plan on it, you won't do it. I'll tell you a sad, sad truth about myself. I won't do all that I plan on doing. But I usually don't do hardly anything of what I don't plan on doing. I don't put it on the calendar. If I put it on the calendar, you got a chance, I'll remember it. If I don't put it on the calendar, there's a good chance that we won't ever get around to it. Joshua's simply telling them this, the future begins today. It's not January the 1st. It's not January the 1st, it's today. Joshua says your future is going to be directly reflected upon the decisions you make today. And if you wait, you probably won't. Look, I love buffets as much as the next guy, and you can tell it. Don't wait until you get inside Golden Corral and you're sitting there at the table to make up your mind whether or not you want to go on a diet or not. You're sunk, Jack. You're not going to make it. You waited a little. Well, I've already paid the money. I'm already in the building. I drove across town to get there. I'm already in the building. And that is my favorite roast beef or whatever, ice cream. It's too late. You see, you've got to make the decision long before. How was Daniel so successful? The Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart. Long before he ever got to the king, his heart and his mind was made up. So what's the message this morning? It's simply this. The next chapter, I can't tell you the details, but we do get to choose the direction. I pray this morning you're going to choose all that God's prepared, all that God has planned, and all the power that God has waiting for us. But you choose the details of the next chapter. You choose the direction of the next chapter. You get to decide whether or not we find what God's prepared. You get to decide whether or not we see all that God has planned and that God uses this church to fulfill all that he said he would do. But you got to choose. you got to choose to deal with the problems of the past. So we don't know. That happened years ago. Yeah, Ur was years ago and hundreds of miles away, and yet it hunted them down and caught them. It's going to catch you every time. You better deal with the past. Listen, is there disobedience between you and God? Is there discord between you and somebody else? Are there desires of the past you've yet to deal with? They're going to hunt you down in 2020. Deal with them today. Deal with them today. Or maybe... You're starting to cave to the pressure of the present. You better decide this morning, no, 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 I'm going to confront the pressure. I'm not going to cave to it. I'm going to confront it. And then decide, choose you this day whom you will serve. This is not a verbal commitment. This is a commitment to service to God in 2020. And if you can't make a commitment, listen, the odds are you'll never get there. Let's stand together, our heads bowed and our eyes closed.